we are uh, rolling. All right. <laughs> rolling, are we? Yeah. All right. Um, so, uh, welcome to uh, Johnny Walker's Funtime Movie Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Walker. Um, so, we're a movie podcast. We are. We're not people. We're an actual podcast that does movies. Yeah, we, we don't exist as human beings. No, we don't. No, it's, it's just kind of who we are as beings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> indeed. So, this is episode one. We did it. Yes, we're here. We're in the recording studio, quote, unquote, air quotes. <laughs> yes, we are uh, at our place of employment, recording in a tiny room. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is yes. a thing of beauty. This is something I never thought I would be able to do, so it's really cool. Yeah, I'm. I am super excited to do this because I love podcasts. Me too. And I, I love podcasts a lot. There you but go. You know what? I don't drink liquor, so Johnny <laughs> yeah. Walker, no season to say. Please don't sue us because I don't drink liquor either. I love yeah. beer, but I do not drink liquor anymore. Shh, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hopefully, hopefully they won't. I don't think this will even get on their radar. I don't know. Probably we'll see. not. I mean, we'll see. we don't have any listeners yet. No, we don't. <laughs> we are currently at zero listeners. I suppose listeners. at the time of listening, though, that's not going to be true anymore. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We are gaining listeners by the very second that's okay. we record. Let's We're talk about listeners. philosophy now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Philosophy. This will also be a philosophy movie podcast. Mm, yes. Not really. Philosophy. So... So, One thing we decided we were going to do with this movie podcast was talk about movie news, some interesting things going on in the Hollywood scene these days. Um, Gabe has something interesting about Netflix to talk about. Yes, so Netflix is basically doing three times the amount of movies that every other major studio is doing. Uh, they are planning on producing, I think producing and releasing 90 films which uh 55 of them would be feature feature films the traditional thought of a movie um and 45 would be either documentaries or animation you know they're doing a lot of anime and animation yes, yes. the uh, one that stood out to me most recently was the uh, godzilla animated movie i haven't seen it yet but i've i i've heard good seen <laughs> did i i think i saw the full first one Okay. Um, there's more than one. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's See, that's two, how there's like I, I think it's a, think it's a, going to be a trilogy. Okay. I think there's two out. Um, Interesting. It's definitely not your traditional Godzilla. Okay. Um, it's like they travel in the future. Okay. Because Godzilla's killing everyone, and they come back to Earth and like, oh shit, Godzilla's <laughs> still killing everybody. <laughs> Time is irrelevant. <laughs> exactly. He is a god and a Zilla. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. I yeah, I don't know too much about Godzilla. I do have a Godzilla expert, so on future podcasts if we want to talk about some Godzilla, I have that in my back pocket. Oh that's so good. that'll be That's good. Haha, something to look yeah. forward to. <laughs> we will talk more about Godzilla. S- especially subscribe. When, <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> Click especially. that like button, folks. <laughs> Especially with the new Godzilla movie coming out yes, soon. Yes, I would love the, to talk more. Millie Bobby Brown. Yes, and the the rest of the cast. I can't think of anyone else's names right now, but like Mothra. Oh, King Ghidorah. That, I mean, that alone. <laughs> I was talking about the actors. Those, those are the actors. <laughs> those are the players. I would oh, call them the players. the players. They set the game. Player. No, it looks it looks really really yeah. good. I love the last Godzilla movie too. Yeah, me too. Anyway, me too. Anyway, so back to Netflix. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. 90 films is the the docket. Um, so 
with other studios like Universal, for example, mm-hmm. uh, they're doing 30 films. So it's literally three times the amount of films. We know that Netflix is a little bit crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ambitious. <laughs> ambitious. So we'll see how this uh, this works out for them. Yeah, they're kind of dominating things right now, though. Especially, like, there was a movie released recently. I can't remember what it's called. It's got Chris Pine in it, though, and it's like a medieval movie. Oh, it's The, the Outlaw King. Yeah, The Outlaw King. I've been King. meaning to watch that. Me too. Um, it's on my list, I, sure. I just end up watching more TV shows. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm when I sit down, I'm like, all right, what am I going to watch on a streaming service? Okay, comic book event. Oh, Pawn Stars. You know, like, <laughs> I've seen all of these episodes so many times but I'm just gonna or Mad Men that's my yeah. that's one of my go-to's because I like to hang out with those characters but yeah. but yeah the uh, <clears throat> that movie alone like that gets me thinking and people are talking about this a little bit about how um, movies in the theater versus movies streaming you know and they're talking about how it you know a lot of people are just kind of at this point scared that it's going to kill the movie industry or as we know it at least the theater going industry yeah, um, the movie going experience however However, however, however. Uh, there is a um, new study that's come out that has found that uh, based on of a, uh, what do you call those things you fill out? Survey? Survey. Survey <laughs> says. The survey says. <laughs> survey it's says. a survey. <laughs> <laughs> so based on survey information, they yes. found that people who tend to see nine or more films during a calendar year also tend to be people who spend about i think it was 11 hours per week on over the top streaming services like netflix and hulu and amazon prime so the people who are not going to the movies are also not watching netflix Mm. so it's not really killing it it's kind of or at least in the movie going experience because people netflix serves many different purposes yeah and i feel like you, you and i hit it on the head you know most people they watch a series they watch a, a house show or they watch yeah. a cooking show or whatever show makes them feel comfortable you know right that's what it's about for a lot of people like and i feel like uh even the people who don't go to movies typically or don't want to sit through an entire movie they still find something on netflix but there are those people out there who they don't want anything to do with it you know mm-hmm. they still and i'm i, I consider myself someone who fits into any part of that spectrum because I still have VHS collection. Like I, I actively, if I see, you know, I go thrift shopping a lot and if I see a VHS, I'm like, Oh, I don't have that on DVD anymore. $20 in your pocket. It would be, you know, yes, I go to a thrift store. I, I, I wear my fur coat and Macklemore's there <laughs> and Ryan Lewis and the ceiling, you know, oh, good. the city can't touch them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I see a VHS, there's people who they, and, and they boast about that. They're like, no, I still have a VHS collection you know mm-hmm. like you know i used to work at a i won't say any names but i used to work in a movie department and a movie and music department and people would talk about that they they valued that concrete thing in their hand you know they don't like all the digitalization because it's it's infinite choice you yeah. know and 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 in that point it's kind of impossible to make the choice so they're taking the choice away from us anyway philosophy yeah, again so, folks hey you want to hear a fun <laughs> random fact about movie collections in yes. korea yes so kim jong il was an incredible uh, movie lover okay and he had i think like tens of thousands of vhs's Okay, and, that makes a lot of and sense. He actually ended up kidnapping the one of the biggest South Korean directors and one of the biggest um, South Korean actresses who 
they were married, okay. but were divorced, but they were kidnapped and forced to make movies for Kim Jong-il, who also wrote and produced them, and they were awful. This is a storyline on 30 Rock. They actually <laughs> took this real happening, apparently, yeah. and made it a thread on 30 Rock that happened to that uh, Jack, Jack married uh, Avery Jessup. The, the oh. and she was in Korea and like being forced to do all these fake news things and like fake movies that he was writing and like he was in them and like he was like I am the best ever yeah no that's hilarious that's great man that yeah. is that is a fun fact fun fact time <laughs> maybe that'll be my segment every fun fact time yeah we could do a fun fact yeah. segment or I mean a fun fact I think is more fun mm-hmm. um in fact yeah when it is kind of a, a footnote yeah you, <laughs> I'm a fan of, of verbal footnotes that yeah. is some that is how I speak so you want to know another fun fact here we go um <laughs> Nine out of ten Americans believe that out of ten Americans, one will always disagree with the other nine. <laughs> that sounds like a riddle. I actually I stole that one from uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, whose line is it anyway? Okay, I love yeah. that show. That is a great show. It is a great show. Oh, I man. miss it. Man, uh, too many riddles just came to my head. So we should move on to some more movie news okay. before this becomes about movie philosophy news. and riddles. <laughs> so back to movie news. Uh, Aquaman is coming out pretty soon here. We've got some interesting tidbits here. Uh, looks like on Rotten Tomatoes right now, the critics think it's a 69% right now. 69. 69. 69. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was inevitable. Uh, and IMDb, you know, they have the 7.9 right now. Um, and I think that with IMDb ratings versus uh, Rotten Tomato ratings, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes, they separate the audience and the, the critics. And then IMDb, it's kind of meshed between the two. Uh, so that's kind of the differential there, but that's that's promising. I mean, especially for a DC movie in the current DC universe, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's promising. And with the visuals and everything that we've been seeing, nah. I'm my, pretty stoked for my it. My bet, bet is that it's going to be the second best DC film, uh, at least DC EU film. Yeah, under one DC under, under Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah, I still think all Wonder of Woman Christopher Nolan's very high, yes. all of Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. Way better than any. I agree. Of the DCU. <laughs> I, I agree. The Nolan. In fact, I was very excited when they came out with Man of Steel before they talked about how it was a different universe because I thought those universes would have played together very well. I know. I was. I was very disappointed. Especially when they with the end of Dark Knight Rises with yeah. JGL. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt stepping up I into was, the was... Nightwing role. <laughs> Nightwing, I love It was like, okay, favorite now let's go into Nightwing because this yeah. is going to be awesome. You yeah. know, a Chris Nolan. And I think these days we've been seeing a lot of sequels that are ignoring their predecessors. <laughs> Preceding sequels. Um, and going like sequels. direct sequels. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, Halloween just did this. It was yeah. direct from the first movie. Um, Terminator is doing this. The next Terminator movie coming out is a direct sequel to Terminator 2. Segue into our next segment. <laughs> but that was too early. Yeah. Callback. Oh, no. We'll do a callback later. Callback. Yeah, no. So uh, Callback or a clapback? What? <laughs> so yeah, no. That and I, I like that idea. Um, and, and it gives me hope that someday we could see at least a Chris Nolan produced... JGL Nightwing movie because I think that would be a perfect casting I and think it would be so a perfect too. continuation to and have nothing to do with any of those characters except mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt well I mean you've got that Joker movie that yeah, who, who's Joaquin directing Phoenix, that? Uh, is that, is I that was Scor- pretty disappointed I think it's Scorsese no it was some, okay here's the thing and um, this 
could be uh, we have one more movie news thing to get to eventually, but we're gonna do an in development segment soon. In development, this Joker movie that is going that is actually being made right now was it, Martin Scorsese with Leonardo DiCaprio attached. Yeah. So it was going to be a Leonardo DiCaprio Joker origin biopic with Scorsese directing and probably writing. Mm-hmm. That I want to happen. Yes. Even if it's not the Joker. And that's why I think they passed on it. I think that's why they moved along. It's because they thought the Joker isn't the right character for Leo and Martin to go into the comic book universe. Mm-hmm. And I think they're looking for that um, that project that's going to let them shine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of hoping for a... Uh, I mean, he would be a good Nightwing. Because mm-hmm. he was a boy actor, we knew him as a child. You know, it'd be kind of a com- like a, how Birdman was kind of a commentary on Michael Keaton's career, while also being its own story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it would be really interesting to see Leo DiCaprio do sort of a meta comic book movie somehow. That would be interesting. I think. I think for me, I don't. I don't see DiCaprio as a. Uh, Nightwing character. Okay. I see. I could really see him more as an old man Bruce Wayne. Yes. Um, in like a, a, a uh, Batman Beyond Wayne. kind of facet, sort of and a then, Citizen Kane type deal. Yeah. Or you know what, Batman Beyond with uh, DiCaprio as Bruce Wayne. That's a and really Jordan good idea. Goes to, Joseph Gordon. Joseph Gordon Levitt. The only as diff- the only bad thing in there is they're pretty close in age. Um, there would be a, are they? Yeah. They are pretty pretty mm. close. I mean, oh, not, oh, not that close, but pretty darn. JGL is he just looks so young. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, he's getting up there though. He's he's a little bit older than me, um, and I'm 31. So like, no, Leo, like they're, you know, I don't know. That would it would be cool to see Leo do that, but that would have to be you know in a couple of decades probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which he might be waiting for. He might be waiting for something like that, something huge, you know, like the comic book Citizen Kane. Like I said, you know, this epic tail that he is deserving of because he's got some chops man but yeah yeah, yeah so the uh, the joker movie coming out um with joaquin phoenix which i'm very excited about i thought that was a great casting choice if we can't have leo that's someone that was on my short list yeah. honestly um todd phillips is directing that who has never done a comic book movie and he's famous for directing the hangover movies he directed <laughs> um starsky and hutch old school <laughs> so like he's got okay. the comedic background and this might be his chance to kind of unravel that comedic skin, I guess. Okay. And sort of twist it into something different. And the Joker might be a good character for him to embody as much as Joaquin to embody, you know. I could see it. I'm trying to have faith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to have faith yeah. because I, as much as the Hangover movies serve their purpose, and I enjoy aspects of them, you know, and I, I love old school. That's one of my favorite movies. But uh, I can't imagine this being a good choice in my opinion. But... I'm trying to have the faith because, you know, I just think about Heath Ledger when he was cast. Everyone was like, mm-hmm. really? You know, yeah. the dude from 10 Things? He just played Casanova? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. what? <laughs> but yeah, he, he was, blew us away. Yeah. Yeah. I I have I have faith in Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Um, I am excited. I know, uh, I know DiCaprio is working on a movie. Yeah. Set around the uh charles manson murders oh yeah that's a tarantino movie is that that's, that's gonna be i'm really stoked for that yeah movie. that, that one is gonna be good gonna be that's gonna be incredible yes margot yeah. robbie is also in that one. Oh, really um the cast just goes on yeah and on she and she on. plays sharon tate right yeah i think so someone close to the manson murder story i th- okay think 
I don't know that would be off the top of my head. It's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, um, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's playing Sharon Tate. We've got Kurt Russell, Brad Pitt. Like Leo and Brad are like their characters are connected in this movie, so they're like in a lot of scenes together. That alone, that's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be regardless really cool. of who's directing and writing, yeah, and the rest of the cast. That alone, you know, yeah. Dakota Fanning, Al Pacino, like Timothy Oliphant. James Marsden, wow. Scoot McNary. My goodness, the list just keeps going on. Tim, That's Tim Roth. Tim Roth re-teaming up with Tarantino. Okay. Emil Hirsch. Like, you know, you go down further into a cast list and you expect to see smaller names in with a Tarantino film. It's not, that's not the <laughs> no. case. They could just get bigger. No. I just saw Bruce Dern before I stopped looking. Just then. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. It's like, okay. That's, that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty stoked for that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, to uh, cap off our movie news uh, today... We have some sad news. Um, Penny Marshall, the uh, filmmaker and actress and comedian, uh, died yesterday, actually, at the age of 75. She's famous for directing Big, Awakenings, League of Their Own. Um, Gary Marshall is a very famous filmmaker who, uh, you know, they were married and they their careers were very much independent of each other, but also connected. Um, I've always loved her. I grew up loving Hocus Pocus. That was one of my favorite movies. And there's a scene with, you know, when they meet the devil and they call him master <clears throat> they go into us during trick-or-treating so he's dressed mm. up as the devil and she's you know the grumpy housewife that's like who are these witches that are in my house like get these broads out of here yeah so bye felicia, I, <laughs> bye, felicia. <laughs> yes that uh penny marshall you will be missed for sure um she is she's one of the first i mean there have been a lot of really great female filmmakers in Hollywood history, but she was one of the first that really broke out um, in the 80s and 90s. And a lot of people recognize Catherine Bigelow for her career. And I think without Penny Marshall, there would be no Catherine Bigelow. Mm -hmm. You know, there would be no um, empowered female filmmakers in the way that they are today. Um, I think she definitely... um, we owe her a lot in Hollywood, I think. So, Do we know how she died, or is it um, just of uh, age? I think it was just old age. Yeah. Um, I didn't look up the specific cause, um, but yeah. She was only yeah. 75, so that's, I mean... I mean, that's getting up there for, yeah. you know... <laughs> and especially people that work hard their whole yeah. lives, you know, they yeah. tend to die a little bit earlier. Work um, hard, play hard, yeah. die hard. Exactly, <laughs> die hard. I was actually thinking about seeing it. We're showing that at a theater, so... Yeah. I was actually thinking about <laughs> seeing wanna, it, too. Yeah. <laughs> to see that yeah anyway so any more movie news that you can think of um not off the top of my head um okay. we were talking about the charles manson yes movie um i'm, I'm just really excited for uh i think it's extremely wicked vile and something the um movie about ted bundy with uh i haven't heard of this one yet uh what's his name the kid from uh High School Musical. Oh, Zach Efron. Yeah, Zach Efron yeah. is playing okay. Ted Bundy. And okay. they look really okay. scarily similar. I could see and that. And I'm super excited for this. Yeah, that, before you said Zach Efron playing Ted Bundy, like, <laughs> like I'm a huge fan of like so, like almost bizarre casting choices. Mm-hmm. Like someone that's like taking on a role that they're like, you know, like I said before, trying to like break out of their skin and find a different one, you know, like, or to explore a different part of their their psyche their creative psyche it's yeah that's pretty exciting actually do you Mm -hmm. know who's directing or writing or anything i can uh let you know in just a moment and this is actually a good segue into our next segment um i wanted to do a segment called in development because that's a little bit different from movie news uh in development is kind of this purgatory or this gray area in hollywood where things 
you know, they could get made, they could not get made. It's just kind of this balancing act of putting things together and seeing what works with people's schedules and all this kind of stuff. So a couple of stories I wanted to talk about. Um, Emma Stone is uh, in development. She's been cast. I think she's she's officially cast as Cruella DeVille in the live-action really? Cruella DeVille movie coming out. Um, I think it's coming out next year. I don't remember because it's still in development, so we're kind of... You know, they, they push things around. They push around different movie dates and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, I'm pretty stoked for that. I think Emma Stone's a great casting choice for Cruella DeVille. I can't think of anyone <laughs> anyone else that I think would be able to step up to that and have fun with it and make it fresh. Because Glenn Close and the uh, the live-action 101 Dalmatians, she did pretty well with that character, I thought. And, yeah. And I actually, 101 Dalmatians, the, uh, the animated Disney movie, is one of my favorite movies. I, that's one of the VHS tapes I have, actually. Um, and I watch it every now and then. It's kind of a nostalgia thing. The animation's beautiful. The music, yeah, everything it about it is great. Those old Disney animation movies are great. They are. So, they are. Uh, so I found I found more information on. It's called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Okay. So it is uh, directed by Joe Berlinger, who is an Academy Award winning, um, an Emmy winning winning filmmaker and producer uh mostly doing true crime documentaries he uh uh some of the big ones he's done are called paradise lost the child murders at robin hood hills crude whitney the united states of america versus uh james j bulger and intent to destroy death denial and deception interesting yep and so zach efron is going to be Starring as uh, Ted Bundy. Okay. Uh, Lily Collins is in it. Uh, Jim Parsons is in it. Haley Joe Osment and John mm, Malkovich. Jim Parsons. Um, I love Jim Parsons. <laughs> yes. Jim's yeah. Jim Parsons is playing a character named Larry Simpson. Okay. Um, but it's the premise of it is the story of Ted Bundy from the perspective of his girlfriend Ooh. Elizabeth Klopfer. Okay. Who is played by Lily Collins. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So. That sounds pretty good. I actually, one of my, uh, I always talk about how I fall down rabbit holes on Wikipedia late at night. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I end up getting grabbed by is serial killer stories and just reading about facts and stuff on Wikipedia yeah. and finding out like different storylines and like just considering all perspective like after a while you're not going into it thinking i'm going to consider this from the serial killer's perspective <laughs> their experience you know like but then you end up considering like they're human just like anyone mm-hmm. else and they you know their choices or whatever went down happened at the, as a result at the end of a very long series of events and it's mm-hmm. interesting to see cause and effect you know yeah so the that excites me yeah, yeah <laughs> and especially someone who's like has a background in like uh doing true crime stuff like yeah. that that's a really good choice yeah i'm excited for it me too yeah so uh let's see more in development stories um <clears throat> so aaron sorkin one of my favorite screenwriters in hollywood he uh one of my favorite ones he did was the social network um he's also responsible for shows like the west wing and the newsroom which i absolutely love as well um he most recently did steve jobs um, the biopic with uh, Michael Fassbender, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, he is doing a Lucille Ball biopic. Um, he's writing that, and Kate Blanchett has been cast as Lucille Ball. And I am, for one, pretty stoked about yeah. that. That seems like a really good casting choice. I incorrectly thought it was Emma Stone that was cast, and I swear I read that somewhere, but I can't find anything that says she was ever 
in talks. <laughs> That's the end development scene for you because everything gets thrown around and mm -hmm. different people get attached. And it's a wibbly wobbly bowl of timey wimey. Timey wimey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that. Yes, thank to you quote, for that. You're welcome. Always here for jokes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm here all night. <laughs> I'm here. Are you? <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm going home after this. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> well, I might be back to I'm, see Die Hard. Yeah, that, I was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so. Okay. One more in development thing that I wanted to get to before we move on to um, the latter part of our episode here. Uh, so, there is a movie. Oh, there's this filmmaker is one of my favorites. Derek, I can't pronounce his last name. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Chian France? That's what I'm guessing. It is C-I-A-N-F-R-A-N. Yeah, Francisco. Very talented filmmaker. He wrote and directed Blue Valentine, The Place Beyond the Pines. Most recently, The Light Between Oceans, which I still haven't seen. I need to. He's got a few in development. One I wanted to talk about is called Metalhead. Um, it is the story, I'll read you the synopsis, the story of a heavy metal drummer who blows his eardrums out and must learn to adapt to a world of silence. It will be an introspective journey into the vortex of our senses, tinkering with cinema's boundaries. Hmm. This... That sounds really cool. No matter who's making this project, <laughs> excites the hell out of me. Like, holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, just wow. that description alone, that... I think, deserves an Oscar. Yeah. So... That's a lot but the line. filmmaker that's making it, I don't know. I think I've talked to someone recently at work about um, the place beyond the pines. It may have been you, but it may have been someone else. Me. Okay, have you ever seen the place beyond the pines? I've heard of it. It's I believe it's on Netflix right now. Everyone listening, go to Netflix right now and watch Place Beyond the Pines if you have the time. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Netflix <laughs> is not a sponsor. They are just very send us free stuff. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Very good movie. Ryan Gosling is in it. Uh, Blue Valentine, same filmmaker. Ryan Gosling's awesome in that one. I highly recommend that one as well. Um, but Place Beyond the Pines just changed a lot of how I view cinema. Um, it as far as writing goes, characterization. It was very much for me a comic book movie that was an original story. It was like he wrote the screenplay, and that's the only place this story exists. But it felt like the hero's journey. Um, a lot of themes of generations and everything. So this filmmaker. In his hands, this project with the metalhead and the like, experimenting with cinema's boundaries, <laughs> like that <laughs> phrase right there, like, you got my money, take my money, even That's though right. we don't have to pay to get into movies, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. how much we should talk about yeah. that anyway. <laughs> we sneak into movies. I'm just kidding. No, we work in a movie. Theater. We do. We work in a movie theater and we can see free movies and it's awesome. Um, I just know that we're not supposed to talk about certain aspects of the things we get to do for free yeah, on certain screenings. Most people but don't know. Well, I mean, exactly. The, we just can't probably our listeners talk about will probably screenings. know us because it's going to be our friends and family. True. I think most of our listeners at this, like, at the point of you listening, dear listener, you're probably a coworker or a family member. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just yeah. be honest. Yeah. If you're not, thank you so much for listening. That is awesome. Um, Thank you for listening, whoever you are. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we know yeah, you. Yeah, we really you know, do real appreciate life. it. This is, yes, this this is, is a first for both of us. And yeah. It's something we've been really wanting to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're, we're excited to be doing it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, here we go. Here Let's get into what we're going to get into. Here we go. That was that was really good. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I was used... wondering when the movie quotes were going to get more um, actual uh, impersonations. Yeah, <laughs> there is going to be a lot of that. Yeah, I can I can tell. <laughs> uh, do you want to start? Yeah, I'll I think start. It would be awesome so if you started. what we're going to be doing right now is we each have three films 
that not necessarily are our favorite films, but ones that that kind of moved us from an artistic standpoint um, and just ones that we really enjoy. So the first one I want to talk about is it's a movie that came out this year, uh, Annihilation. It was uh, directed by Ben Garland, uh, starring Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac. Such a good movie. It really is. Like um, When I think about it, I always think there's two scenes I think about. Uh, the fucking demon bear of evilness. Yes. I hate that bear. <laughs> that was terrifying. <laughs> it was it was absolutely Did you see it in the theater? I saw it in the okay, theater. It's probably not. I saw the it at home. scariest thing I've seen on film until I watched Hereditary. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, but that's... Needed, that one is oh my gosh. terrifying. Um <laughs> but anyway, so that's the bear scene I always think about. And then the end scene with the weird lighthouse sequence and how okay, yeah. that film is so non-traditional sci-fi. Okay, yeah. Like, it is definitely a film that really pushed hard to not... Like, the studio wanted to change it, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't change it Okay, to make it So they really fought for their integrity either. of the film. Yeah, process. and the okay. story, which I love, and yeah. the story and the themes about it are really... It's heavy. It's heavy, you know, a lot about <laughs> really self-destruction. Yep. And, um, it's sort of a Black Mirror episode, almost. Like, the yeah. way it, like, holds up a mirror to our society and, like, twists it into mm-hmm. this crazy story. It's yeah. based on a novel. Yeah. I, like, I, I really want to read the uh, me novel. Me too. I haven't read it. I have some friends that have read it and said that it, like, the movie lives up. That's something yeah. you can't really say very often. That no. the movie lives up to the book. Like, the only times I've ever been able to say that are when, like, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, one of my favorite movies. Literally, the author of the book produced, wrote, and directed the movie. <laughs> like, yeah. that's why it was so good. Yeah. And, you know, giving someone, because it's someone's baby, you know, and mm-hmm. then when you meet a filmmaker that can actually take that and not pervert it in any way or twist it for monetary gain or, you know, anything like that, yeah. that Hollywood tends to do here and there with studio pressure. But the story, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that being any different. Yeah. I can't imagine no. it not being as um twisted and magical as it was yeah and um one of the things that i i really liked about it was that it was hard to watch okay yeah like there's not a lot of movies where like i'm watching this and i'm like this is hard to watch Yeah, yeah yeah and like it it wasn't incredibly gory or incredibly evil yeah it was just it was hard to watch from just how sad it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone... Tragic. It was very tragic. Yeah, Twistedly was, tragic. Yeah. Like, almost like... um, it, There was like an aura of death around everything mm-hmm. and an aura of life. It, that's why it was so crazy. Like, mm-hmm. the, the whole, like, um, the bubble thing that the was... The shimmer. Like, and the yeah. shimmer. And it was like growing plants in the shape of people because it was taking their DNA and it was like reflecting it. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> that was okay. Yeah. That's, That's okay. something we didn't talk about beforehand that maybe we should Spoiler have. Spoiler alert. 
Yes. Okay. Here's here's here here's your warning, folks. We're gonna be talking about some movies, and we're probably gonna be talking about some things that will spoil those movies. So, so go watch it. Go watch them, please. And I apologize for completely spoiling. That's okay. That wasn't actually. That was just a really cool thing that happens yeah, it, later it, on. That wasn't much of a spoiler. No, it is just a little bit of a mystery that they yeah. encounter that they have to find a thing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for saying that though, because that's <laughs> something I wasn't even thinking about. Because later on, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to spoil every movie I talk about. So good. Do let's, it. Let's continue it to talk about the <laughs> annihilation. <laughs> yeah. Um, that it what? blew me away. It's it's rare that a movie blows me away. Um, yeah. And another one that similarly to Annihilation that blew me away was Arrival. Yeah. That one I thought was sort of in that same vein. That mm-hmm. sort of taking sci-fi and sort of making it its own thing. Like mm-hmm. like that's one thing I love about sci-fi is like it's here's these boundaries that you can take and dig inside yourself and like do your own thing. Yeah. You know. You know that's actually the director of that one. Uh, directed one of the movies that we're going to talk about, Dennis uh, Villanueva and um, Ben Garland. Honestly, I think he was the perfect director for that film. Uh, Do you you watch Ex Machina? Yes. Yeah, so he also did Ex Machina. (laughs) Ex Machina. And, like, maybe there's there's maybe not the similar themes, but, like, similar respect for the themes and for the audience to okay yeah giving them putting it in the audience's court Mm -hmm. like that's that's something i love and the ending of annihilation i won't say what it is because it's (laughs) it's good it's Um, spooky that last shot it's like it's and that's something i love about arrival too it's not necessarily a happy arrival had a happy ending yeah arrival ultimately had a really happy ending but annihilation did not. I won't say it's a happy ending because it's not a happy ending, and mm-hmm. that's something I love is when movies can artfully have an unhappy ending mm-hmm. and leave an audience member leaving going, "I loved that ending." Exactly. It wasn't a happy ending, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. And some people, that's uncomfortable for them, mm-hmm. understandably so. Yeah. All right. I think uh, that's really all I wanted to talk about. Except there's one last thing um, in the very last, like the last sequence. And last, um, like the the really the climax of the film, the sound design okay. was beautiful. Okay. Like the soundtrack. Um, I'll I don't, go back and watch it. Yeah, it was it was that weird atonal noise that yeah. wasn't quite a song. Okay, I know but what you're talking about. It was like. I remember the music being yeah. incredible. It was if if you haven't seen the movie, it's actually the m- music that is in the trailer for the film. Okay. Um, so you can get a good feel of it if you just go yeah. watch the trailer on YouTube or on yeah. IMDb. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Not a sponsor. <laughs> Send us free stuff. All right. <laughs> so, uh, do we want to just have you go through all yours, or you want to let's let's go back and forth? Back and forth. That's a good format. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're just learning as we go, folks. So hopefully, you know, you'll grow with us. All right, so Grow together. <laughs> I think the first movie that I'm going to talk about is actually going to be one of the first movies that I binge watch as a kid. It's one of those movies that I said, "Can I watch it again?" And my mom said, "Whatever, just don't make a mess," you know. <laughs> like, uh, so Wayne's World. That's one of like that movie. I just I've never considered it my favorite. Like I've never said Wayne's World is my favorite movie, but it's one of those movies that's part of my fabric. It's part of my blood. Um, I speak in Wayne's World dialogue constantly. Um, earlier today, I was just kind of skipping through scenes, and I was literally sitting there, like, getting ready to leave, and 
quoting i was just talking along with wayne's world like just like i was singing along to a song you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. like uh and one thing i i thought was very interesting i was looking up some interesting tidbits about wayne's world they break the fourth wall so artfully and they discuss um popular culture and it's stuff that's just sort of under the radar it's just like little things it's so playful with its dialogue and so heavy at the same time that you don't even realize it this is a movie that i was actually required to watch in 10th grade english class because i went the broadcasting route we had two different routes we could go in my high school and one was through like poetry and literature and one was through broadcasting and media and i decided to go obviously through the (laughs) the one that got me to be able to watch movies in class you know constantly and wayne's world was one we watched because the the teacher i had was the broadcast speech teacher and he thought wayne's world was so good at presenting you with the media world while also tearing down the media you know the the machine at the same time and just the scene alone where they're doing the uh the the product placement (laughs) is like it's like they sell their soul they have no self-respect man yeah you know that that is i haven't seen the full film okay but that's probably the scene i've seen the most and every time i watch it i chuckle and it it reminds me a lot of um space balls yes with the merchandise it's very yeah I, I have Space a feeling. Balls, I, the flamethrower. I have a feeling if they didn't, I mean, they may they may have done the product placement, but that it seems like that was definitely an yeah. influence on that. Oh yeah. That scene though, like that, I feel like that should have won an award of some kind if it yeah. hasn't already. But yeah, they uh, they they kind of started some popularization of some things like um like sarcasm was already a thing but like in the 90s you know they helped popularize like not you know that was a (laughs) thing that they did in the movie and like before that in popular culture you don't really see that very many places except like here and there in sitcoms yeah but that specifically and also at least the internet credits them with this the popularization of that's what she said because they say it in the movie and when people would talk about the office popularizing it and the office being the source of it and everything like no it for one it's probably existed for like centuries actually if you go on wikipedia and look up that's what she said there's a whole page about the history of that's what she said and it actually started as the actress said to the bishop Huh. In Britain. So, oh. fun fact. <laughs> that <laughs> Look is that up. hilarious. Am I going to start <laughs> yeah, using yeah, yeah. that line? The actress said to the bishop. Instead of that's what she yeah, said. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. Uh-huh. Like, and they, oh man, huh. and they had Shia uh, and monkeys might Chia. fly out of my butt. You know, that's <laughs> a line in the movie that I say all the time. And just it, the characters are so great. I mean, it's SNL characters. SNL in the 90s, those like, you can have debates and arguments over what SNL era was the best over and over all day long but you can't deny that it's all pretty great there's like different every era has some standout characters that are great and wayne and garth were just those standout characters you know i mean there were more from that era chris farley alone like (laughs) van down by the river but uh chris farley in wayne's world as well he has Mm -hmm. a cam there's so many good cameos in wayne's world like um what's his i can't remember his name ed o'neill played uh, al bundy and married with children oh yeah he plays the um like the clerk behind the counter at the donut shop and he's really heavy and really dark and he talks about like murder and like <laughs> why is it that in war murder is called her- heroic 
but when you kill a man in the heat of passion, it's called murder. <laughs> and he's <laughs> talking great. about this guy's like, oh man, I got my unemployment checked or I got laid off or whatever. And you know what I'd like to do? And he's like, yeah, you'd like to go find the guy who's responsible and take out his still beating heart just so he can see how black it is before he dies. <laughs> it's like, I was going to say, I was going to file a grievance with the union. but So these are great. Di- like yeah, Mike Myers a... is a genius. Yeah. Say what you will about Shrek and like all the, you know, things we were bombarded with. <laughs> through his career well, uh, I have a personal uh, love-hate relationship with Shrek because I love the first two yeah, speaking of Mike Myers uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he had a cameo in um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody yes. where it was poetic as yeah, hell yeah he was he was the studio was executive that, yep. <laughs> that that didn't believe in Bohemian Rhapsody and then he in in Wayne's world yeah, yeah, yeah. headbangs and rocks out yep I love it. it, and it's so funny because the reason that's so like people were chuckling. They're like, "Oh, it's funny because Wayne's World they did the headbang." It's like it's it goes deeper than that because the <laughs> it studio goes deeper. The studio was constantly pressuring for a Guns N' Roses song because this is 1991. Wow, I probably should know no, what year this came out. That was that was like. That was eighties, like eighty one. Well, I know that that was when they were on SNL. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, what, what are we? What are we? <laughs> Are we talking about Queen or are we talking about No, we're about talking Wayne's about Wayne's World. Because oh, okay, yeah. that was 76, Yeah, that was... 77. That was... Um, but no, 1992 is when Wayne's World came out. So gotcha. this was filmed over the summer of 91, I think. So this was in Guns N' Roses. It was in their prime. You know, that was the biggest band. Everyone wanted Guns N' Roses in all their movies and stuff. And Guns N' Roses made their way into a lot of movie soundtracks. Um, and... He threatened Mike Myers threatened to quit over over Bohemian Rhapsody. He said, "No, it has to be Bohemian Rhapsody. I will walk, I will cr- crush this production. Like wow. this has to be the song." I didn't. And at I the time, Bohemian that. Rhapsody wasn't popular. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't. It, this movie brought it back. I mean, Freddie Mercury's death had something to do with it yeah. as well. Because actually, I've I've read this today. I didn't know this. Freddie Mercury before he died. The movie came out after he died, mm-hmm. like a few months after he died. And Freddie Mercury, before he died, saw the scene with Bohemian Rhapsody, and he gave it his approval. Wow. Like, like his oh, that's blessing. really cool. He loved it. That's really so cool. So that, yeah, that, just that little tidbit, and then Bohemian Rhapsody kind of capping that off later on, it's really, really cool. Um, so yeah, that's Wayne's World. If you haven't seen it, it's iconic. There's so many iconic characters and dialogue. Cameos, Alice Cooper's in it, you know, Chris Farley's in it. It's so good. Such a good movie. And actually, fun fact, before we stop talking about this, um, Cassandra in the movie, um, the actress, or the the character that Wayne falls for, that plays bass in the band, I didn't know this. I didn't think any of the music that was being played in that band was actually going on. They aren't playing the instruments, but she's actually singing. I didn't know that. Fun fact, she has an amazing voice. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so. That is awesome. On we move. Okay, so my second film is... I want to talk about Blade Runner 2049, um, which is also Dennis Villanueva. Um, when I saw this, I actually I saw this by myself. Um, I uh, snuck out of church and went to go see it because that movie theater was was uh, just down the theater, That's funny. down the road, and uh, <laughs> like it blew me away. Yeah, me too. It, like. Even, like, I'd seen the trailer a lot. Yeah. And, like, I already was expecting beautiful, beautiful cinematography. Yes. And even of the camera alone. Man. He captured that. At least, the the thing I like about it is that he put his own stamp on it Mm -hmm. while also somehow embodying and not... 
why do I keep saying perverted? I don't know. Not perverting yeah. the vision of Ridley Scott and the yeah. style of Ridley Scott. It was done so masterfully in that yeah, regard. Yeah, it really was. It really was. And, like, I could go on all day about just the cinematography. I love the use of color mm. and mm. lines. Yes. And, like, the composition that that the DP does. Because it's not just Dennis Villanueva. Yeah, no, no, it's, no. It's not uh, just his decisions. Yeah, it's his... His collaborating yeah. with all these great artists. Yeah, you know, you, know, you always got to thank the DP. Yes. Which I am looking up right now because I should have done that yep, before. Yep, 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 yep. Um, <laughs> director of photography. That's what DP stands for, yep. folks. It's not something else that yep. you might be thinking. It's not Dr. Pepper. Not a sponsor. No, not a sponsor. I and would say send is... us free stuff, but we get free Dr. Pepper at work. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, the DP was Roger Deakins. Okay. Um, let's see. What else is he responsible for? I'm looking that up right now. All right. Gotta love technology, folks. Yay, technology. Okay. Uh, he did Skyfall. Skyfall. He did Fargo. Fargo. No Country for Old Men. Okay. Hail Caesar. Uh, Sicario, okay. Unbroken. Oh, man. Um, what's that one again? Let's just keep coming. Rango, True Grit. True Grit. Company Men, A Serious Man, um, The Assassination of Jesse James. Oh, that was a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Village. Okay. okay. He's worked with some big names. He's yeah. Worked with some... He did A Beautiful Mind. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man, he's worked with some massive Oh, Brother, filmmakers. Where Art Thou? Coen Brothers, Ron Howard. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, the, he, he did The Big Lebowski, too. Okay. Wow. This okay. guy this He guy did Fargo is, and The Big Lebowski. He yeah. did Shawshank? Okay. He did Shawshank Redemption. This guy is <laughs> this like guy is a, a fucking he did god. Man. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. The, Barton Fink. He's been with the Coen Brothers since early on. Yeah. See, that's one thing I love about some of the filmmakers. In fact, a lot of the filmmakers that I admire. Once they find their team, they don't want to let go of that person. Mm. Like, this person understands my vision. They're able to help me realize it. Why would I go with someone else? You know, yeah. they, and when they do make that decision to go with someone else, it's for an artistic reason. Like I'm going to change this up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like Wes Anderson, one of my favorite filmmakers, usually goes with the same composer. I can't think of his name, but then for Grand Budapest, can't think of this guy's name either. But um, he <laughs> went with a, a really accomplished um, older com- composer who, you know, and I watching Grand Budapest, you can't imagine it being the other guy doing it because mm-hmm. it's like, this it fits so well. Yeah. And that's, it takes a great filmmaker to recognize those choices and those decisions. Yeah, so definitely. And Hats off. Yeah, <laughs> and so, beautiful cinematography. Yes. That guy, Incredible. he is a, a legend. Um, and as far as, like, the the story goes, like, the the visuals really were able to capture the feel of the story yeah. and the themes of what the original Blade Runner was trying to get. And for at that point, you know, what Philip K. Dick, who wrote the story that yep, it yep. all is based off Andrew's Dream of Electric Sheep, of like these existential questions of can machines have life? Yeah. Like but what, he doesn't answer human, the human. question. He that's doesn't give a definitive answer. He and let, there you go. Lets the and that's what great decide. science fiction does. Exactly. It, give, it leaves it up to the reader, mm-hmm. up to the viewer. It presents evidence. Yep. And you decide. And that's what life is. That's what mm-hmm. science is. And exactly. that's what, you know, we see all these facts. Here's the facts. You interpret it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, oh, 
Yeah. When filmmaking can do that so artfully, masterfully, and subtly. Like, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that's not something that you're beat over the head with when watching that movie. And mm-hmm. talking about the cinematography again, like, that set the pace. And it was such a good pace. And, like, I don't know. That was just, it was a masterpiece for yeah, sure. And I that's totally agree. very deserving of the original. That's something, another thing you can't really say about sequels is that they live up to the original and do something original itself. Honestly, I like the the 24 and 9 better than the original. Really? Okay. I've I've seen the original a few yeah, times. It depends on which version of the original yeah, you're talking that's about true. too. The Final that's Cut, true. the Director's Cut, the yeah. Scroll, you know. Final Cut is the best, yeah. but you know, that's yeah. my opinion. There's too many cuts, I'd never I always yeah. mix them all up. Yep, yep, yep. And yeah. even like differences in them are so crazy. Like this one has a different filter on this scene. Like okay. <laughs> this one has voiceover okay, for the entire movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right, so I think that's that's really what I wanted to talk about okay. with Blade Runner. So. All right, and I think this is a good segue into this next movie I want to talk about, which is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Judgment Day. Gotta love the early 90s movies, mm-hmm. man. Like, 90s, that's my decade, for sure. Um, I was born then. Yep, I was I was born in 87, so I, like, I got to, I, I'm, I feel very blessed for that. So I used to wish that I was, like... 16 in 1991 because that would have just been perfect and like mm. the, the upbringing I deserved you know mm. <laughs> like yeah. the cultural upbringing anyway yeah. Yeah. Um, being able to fully experience different aspects of culture back then but anyway I digress Terminator 2 <laughs> first of all James Cameron is I think if I had to rank the top filmmakers alive actively working I think he's got to be in the top 5 at least I could see that. Um, and especially if you're considering people who do what they do, like people who push the the um, the medium, people who innovate consistently mm-hmm. in order to tell their stories. James Cameron has been at the forefront of that, that sort of idea that, all right, here's a good example. I play guitar. One of the ways that I learn how to... <laughs> One of the ways I write music is I'll have something in my head. I'm like, that's really cool. Now, how do I make my hands do that? You know, I sit there and try to learn what I wrote. And I think that's what he's doing with his filmmaking Mm -hmm. career. Like, he's always been like, here's the story I want to tell. And George Lucas, same thing. He kind of failed at it, but (laughs) um, in my opinion. Uh, James Cameron, though, you know, look at Avatar. He invented a lot of technology for Avatar. He invented a lot of technology for T2. Like, he made all this stuff happen in order to make the story he thought, you know he wanted to make and like terminator one was 1984 and that was even pushing technology technological boundaries and you know and then he did aliens and he yeah even i was going to talk about it took that and ran with yeah. it you know like and made it his own thing without you know stepping on the original yeah and so with going into terminator 2 he knew that like you know the studio obviously wanted a sequel pretty recent like the 80s was you know the age of the sequel every year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like let's, let's Same like today. capitalize on that. Saw movies it, yeah, for like once a year. It's Paranormal the, activity. Uh, you know, action star sequel. Yeah. You know, as long, as long as it has the name yep. and the action star, then it's okay. Exactly. And that's, and there's another thing I love about Terminator 2 is Schwarzenegger. It was like marketed as, this is a Schwarzenegger movie, but he wasn't really the hero of the movie, mm. you know? And, and that, I, you know, you gotta say Sarah is the hero of the series. Sarah Connor, mm. uh, Linda Hamilton, <laughs> fantastic. You know, the oh, first yeah. movie, she's this, like, sort of just normal, you know, normal lady who just lives in the 80s and works, you know, as a waitress or whatever. And, 
you know, and then she has this sort of heavy story thrust upon her, and she rises to that. And we see that in this one, she's like all buff and tough and you yeah. know, ready to fight. She's basically a human Terminator herself. <laughs> That's true. You know, yeah. and she's like the the heroine of this movie. And John Connor, you know, is also the hero of this movie. And it's really interesting because you see like the um, the absent father sort of lifestyle and the parent that he connects with most is this human Terminator. Mm -hmm. And so when he meets this Terminator that's on his side, he sees this father figure. Yeah. And there's themes of that, this theme of like him clinging to him as a father figure, but also the Terminator himself is like an infant. He's so innocent and he doesn't know anything. He's learning. He sees him crying and he turns around and says, what's wrong with your eyes? Hey. 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 And here's yeah. a cameo. Here's a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about cameos. Okay, we're going yeah. hey. to head out now. Okay. Bye. See ya. See ya. <laughs> so that was Kat and Kaylee. <laughs> okay. That was fun. Yeah. So. You know, so you're when you were talking about father figures. Yeah. The Arnold, he does a lot of good father figures. Like, throughout all yep. of his movies. Or a lot of his Junior? movies. Junior? I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten Cop, yeah. yeah. Yep. And that it's really interesting because it's like, um, the Kindergarten Cop I thought was really interesting because it was like taking the Terminator and putting him into a father right. role. Yeah. You know, in yeah. a more fun way. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. and that sort of spawned so many, that spawned a genre, I think, that movie. I mean, there might have been movies before that that were very similar to like, let's take an action star and force him to be in a family movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he's still the same character. He just, but he, it's a family movie situation, and he's forced to deal with that. Exactly. Like it's, it's Jingle like all the, the way, too. The, yeah, the Jingle I love all the that way. movie. The Pacifier. Yes, you know, the Pacifier. Diesel. And Spawn Pacifier. Yeah. And there's uh, the game plan with The Rock. Yeah. In fact, that movie, I don't know if you've seen it. I um, haven't. It's I, so bad. I remember. It's. I mean, it's a great family it. flick, I'm sure, uh -huh. but it came out around a time where I was like, I'm over this kind of movie. Yeah. And my mom was always like, oh, it looks so cute. You know? <laughs> so anytime someone's like, what's the game plan? I'm like, a really bad movie. <laughs> anyway, I digress again. Terminator 2. Like, the the themes and it, the, the building on each other. Like, the one thing that I really value in a movie as a writer is cause and effect and building mm -hmm. and earning things. Something that it's really hard to do when you're writing a story is like, okay, you know this thing is going to happen later in the story. How do I adequately get there to make folks feel like it was earned and mm -hmm. not coming out of nowhere? Yeah. A good example of how to not do it is Batman versus Superman. That had no cause and effect at all. Suicide no. Squad, I think, is actually more of a good case study on that because that was just a series of look at these cool moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's, <laughs> and it we was win. Like, <laughs> it was like the studio gave him a bullet list of things that had to happen in the movie. And then he just filmed from that bullet list instead of a screenplay. Yeah. Like that's what that movie felt like for me. Terminator 2, I think, shines at this. It, it's cause and effect, it does callbacks, it uses comedic elements to keep mm. the heart light the music okay we could talk we could do an entire episode about the music on terminator 2 because that doo -doo 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 -doo, like mm. that is like the hardness of life yeah that the show there the show that the movie like shows it's like here's all these harsh realities but there's still heart there there's still that lightness that that fun that you know happiness that joy with the melody of the doo -doo 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 -doo. yeah and it's yeah, such a about. great the music itself is such a great representation of the movie. Mm -hmm. And it tells, that's a great, another great tell of a good filmmaker is like finding someone who's going to do that. Right. Oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah. 
let's uh, let's move on because Terminator 2, I think, um, and just to touch on a little bit of what it did for me, um, I watched that movie over and over when I was four years old. Like, that was a movie we taped off of a free HBO preview. Um, it was on a tape with Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and Arachnophobia. <laughs> and so I would, like... That's a great... See how far I could get in the tape without being like, ah! you know, like, <laughs> freaking out, like, ah. So Terminator 2, like, it helped me deal with these heavy themes as a child. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it, and it, like, it really... I saw it as art back then, even. I saw the intellectual, like, filmmaking. I saw the cause and effect, and I knew that it was something special, even back then as, like, a four- or five-year-old. So I gotta rewatch this movie. I haven't seen. It's it. good. I've only seen it's it so like good. a couple of times, especially with a new one coming out next year. I think yeah. it's coming out in May. I want to say. I think it's in development hell right now, though. Is it? Because yeah. they were in production. They were in production of it. No way. That's Genesis two. Yes. Okay, Genesis Genesis two died because yeah. Genesis was terrible, and yeah. the studio is actually acting like they didn't want that to ever happen, and that it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and interesting story with that james cameron had a clause in the contract where he signed over the rights to make rise of the machines in mm-hmm. 2003 where um he signed away his rights way before that before that got made but he said all right in this many years i think it was like 20 years or so the rights are going to come back to me no matter what and i'm hmm. going to decide what to do with it at that point wow and he built that in to that contract and they're back to him now and he's not directing but he is producing and he's okay. co-writing and the guy that's directing i can't remember his name off the top of my head but he yeah, did the first but deadpool imdb movie. remembers it does <laughs> it was the guy who did the first deadpool movie tim miller can't believe i forgot his he, name or tj miller nope tim miller tim miller he did deadpool that's the only thing he's done <laughs> oh, dead, wow. the first deadpool movie okay i mean he's also oh. a writer um not very accomplished as a writer though like the thing is something i mean you look at the newest halloween movie that was written in part by danny mcbride who Mm -hmm. you would never guess that danny mcbride would get to do anything with a halloween movie especially one that's that well done yeah that one like david gordon green is a great filmmaker if you've never seen what is it is it what was that movie it's with nick cage i wish i could remember it's so good anyway that like giving a project to a fanboy no matter what he's done previously in his career. I mean, Deadpool was a great movie, so yeah, I'm kind yeah, of excited really for this. But, like, yeah. you know, he might not necessarily have the full-on experience, but that's kind of a good thing, you mm-hmm. know? That's kind of like... And I, Clean if James Cameron hired him, you know it's going to be a good choice. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. James Cameron's working with him actively. Yeah. And it's definitely looking like there's a strong female cast. There's two other strong female actresses along with Linda Hamilton and from the cast photos I've seen it looks incredible yeah. so I'm pretty stoked sweet I'm excited for that yeah 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 alright um, moving on moving on I want to uh, talk my last film is uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 Ooh. I Ooh. recently watched this again <laughs> and remembered why I really really love the yes. movie everything like, about it everything like there's like there's so much to talk about there's nothing in it that I dislike yeah honestly. like like even like the cheesy campiness that embraces and like that makes the movie if it didn't have the tone of campiness i don't think it would be as good and it's that tarantino brand of campiness too it's that uh that tongue-in-cheek sort of like 
this is tongue in cheek, but it's still freaking badass. Like, yeah. it's yeah. still really fucking cool. Like, Tarantino, that's something he he's a he's like I said, a fanboy. You know, mm-hmm. you give a fanboy enough money and resources, <laughs> and you're gonna get a damn good film. Yeah. Like, yeah, Kill Bill is it's a love letter to so many genres. It really is all at once. It really it's is so good. Like, and one of the things that I had noticed this time that I really it threw me off at first, but I really by the end of the film I just absolutely loved the way they did blood. Yes. How it was like just like a bright red. You know, but it was like like coming out of a hole. Hole just blatantly like this is not real blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was definitely homages to like his uh his upbringing with like horror movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Spaghetti Western. Practical effects. Samurai movies. Yes. I love it. So good. And And the characters in that one alone. Like so good. Every night even the secondary characters. Like one thing uh I can't remember what movie it was I was talking oh Bad Times at the El Royale I was mm. talking to someone about the Drew I heard Goddard. that one was really good any Drew Goddard written movie does this where it has all these stories coming together where you take one of those characters and take their story within the big story and it would be a good movie on its own yeah Kill Bill that's no exception <laughs> like and yeah. Tarantino's you know he's a character writer for sure like he's so good at building characters and realizing them and showing who they are very masterfully and I think with Kill Bill, especially like you take, I can't remember her name, but the little girl with like the, the thing that has the, oh, the spiky yeah, ball that she like swings around. Yeah, I want to see that movie. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see would her be, story. That would be hilarious. I want to see how she got up to that. Yeah. She obviously, you know, spoilers. She died. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> she died awesomely. <laughs> she she really <laughs> that did. That scene, that yeah. whole scene, like the the crazy idiot. I want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah, know? and you know what the. Um, so when they showed the history of uh, Lucy Liu's character, yeah, um, Oren, yes, um, Oren Ishii. like my wife was saying, like my wife, my wife, saying <laughs> she, uh, she was saying, like I don't want her to die. I know yeah. she's gonna die at the end yeah. of the movie, and the way but, she dies too. Yeah, so I don't want her to die. That's I so like boring. her now. I know, I, and I want like Tarantino. He's talked about the future of filmmaking and how he's kind of upset with the way it is or not necessarily upset but like it's difficult territory to navigate right now because Mm -hmm. it's no one like the medium's changing and we talked about streaming versus going to the movies and some people are speculating like Seth Rogen talked about the interview and how that movie was like that you know that was tainted from the beginning and they just released it for free on streaming mm. and he's actually talking about how in the future he speculates that maybe that's how we're going to watch comedy and he's scared that comedy is going to be a specifically streaming thing because he loves going to the theater being there with a bunch of people and laughing your ass off yeah you know and people are afraid that it's going to be just a big budget action movie type venue and that's what movie theaters are going to be in the future so tarantino recognizing this shifting scene you know um he talks about how tv might be his place in the future Mm because the way we're telling stories right now tv's kind of got the upper hand a little bit with the exception of some filmmakers yeah and it's interesting to think where we could see him go and like he wants to do kill bill 3 but it's been that's been in development hell for over a decade now yeah and it would be interesting if we just got Tarantino, like uh, Castle Rock, you know, Castle Rock with the uh, Stephen, like the Stephen King universe, bringing that. it all together. That would be fun. Give us a Tarantino, Tarantino verse, a Tarantino run, Tarantino verse. Every episode okay. is written and directed by Tarantino, produced by Tarantino. That would be cool. I would, yeah. I would watch that. I would subscribe and pay for a Tarantino yeah. streaming app. Every- well, <laughs> you know, he's he's. 
think I think he's also working on a Star Trek movie. Oh yeah, yeah, an and, R-rated Star Trek. Yeah, movie. Yeah, which is going to be phenomenal. But yeah, that would be really. <laughs> he's cool. talking about that being his last feature film. Yeah, like retiring after that. That would be that would be interesting. I would. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to Kill Bill, Kill one Bill, thing. Yes. Um, I really loved was the music. Mm-hmm. Like Tarantino has a really good way with music. Yes, and it's very much part of the movie. Yeah, and like after watching the movie, I had songs from that stuck in my head for like the rest of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in the morning, I was like, "Dang it, I still have it stuck in my head." <laughs> I have to listen to something or watch something just to just to get it out of my head. And it was I was just blown away. Because like where I'm at, and with because I'm I'm going to um, to school for digital media production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now knowing what I do, I know now, as minuscule it is, like I enjoy movies more because I know what kind of craft goes into it, and the yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like wow, I recognize that must have been really hard to do, and. I, Watching it before, never, never. Yeah. It's so cool, about that, that. and that's one thing I love about movies is you can watch it as a different person. You know, mm-hmm. like you're a different person with every viewing, and coming yeah. back to movies that you loved earlier in your life. Going through these movies today, like it's been a while since I watched Wayne's World. It's something I come back to probably once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Garden State, that's the movie I'm going to be talking about next. That movie. I haven't watched that in a long time. And that, that used to be, like, my favorite movie. That was the movie that my girlfriend and I connected on um, at the beginning of our relationship. And, like, no one else we knew was really that into that movie. And it was my favorite movie and her favorite movie. And, like, anytime someone's like, I've never seen Garden State, I'm like, all right, well, you're coming over this weekend. Because <laughs> so, we're going to, you know, we have, we've had Garden State watching parties. And, you know, like, getting someone to sit down and watch that with you when they've never seen it. And watching it again yourself like seeing it through them but also like oh i haven't i didn't notice that before mm-hmm. you know i've never you pick up things at different points in your life because you're a different person you have a different set of experiences and it's a different frame you're looking through kill yeah. bill and that's the thing certain movies don't really lend themselves to that sort of experience mm-hmm. but masterful filmmakers like tarantino the auteurs yes <laughs> great phrase <laughs> <laughs> that yes yeah. that like watching any of his watching Pulp Fiction for example yeah. you come back to Pulp Fiction once a year you're going to find something different mm-hmm. every time you watch it you're going to notice something different appreciate something different yep. so cool Kill Bill is no exception that movie and Kill Bill Volume 2 for that matter like I always consider him one film mm-hmm. like I know he split it up for an artistic reason as well as like a lot of people were like oh he's just lazy like why don't you just edit that down but it's like how yeah. there's so much going yeah. on that needed or, to be there it'd be like you know? uh, putting together it's like watching the uh, Lord of the Rings extended version that's yep. a five hour film yeah and even watching those movies it's hard to tell what because I've watched you know the, I haven't like back to back watching because that's a lot of time that's a big I, commitment I have it is it's a big commitment hard <laughs> it is hard because like when you watch the extended versions you can't really tell that they cut it anything out of the theatrical because yeah it's like a, a very similar experience it's just a little bit deeper a little bit more rich you know mm-hmm. Whew, yeah. man. so let's let's talk about garden state garden you know, state you yes talking about it, but this is a movie i was actually not going to include in this list because it was for the longest time the movie i was like oh garden state's my favorite movie and then after a while you just kind of forget why you're saying that you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but then every time you watch it you're like oh wow this is so good 
this movie, this is a movie I came to, that came out in 2004. It's an independent movie that Zach Braff did. Um, if you've never seen Garden State, if you know me, please tell me you've never seen Garden State and we'll make it happen. I'm actually talking I've about, seen it. I'm, I was talking to someone in my interview, we talked about Garden State um, in my interview earlier today, and we talked about uh, setting up a screening here. My girlfriend and I were talking about that too, because there's some wow. people we know I would, we I would totally seen go it. see it. I want to just get a theater together, like bring in friends from outside of work that have never seen it, like have coworkers be welcome, you know, and like maybe get together in the party room yeah. afterwards and have snacks and cool. stuff. I want to do that. I want to do that regularly. <laughs> I yeah. want to, like once, I was talking about like once a month, at least once a season, have some sort of big screening like that where we can just get together and hang out and watch something that most of us haven't seen you know or yeah, like i would go I'd through everyone's favorite movies you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah so yeah garden state like it came to me this was my senior year of high school um 2004 going into 2005 i watched it over christmas break and it was one of those movies in the two for one section at family video not mm-hmm. a sponsor um, <laughs> <laughs> uh but you know two for one section is great you know you go through there you find gems um garden state was one that i had to keep renting over and over because they you know i was like okay maybe i should buy this movie and my sister had a copy of it Mm. and she like let me borrow it for a long time ended up just giving it to me but yeah so it's something interesting about this it doesn't follow three-act structure Mm -hmm. um and that's something you don't really notice until it's pointed out to you (laughs) that they don't follow the three-act structure because it doesn't feel like it it moves along pretty well in my opinion Mm -hmm. um it, it is in a way a series of moments that are just like here's this moment here's this moment but it's done so well that it really is, I've noticed today that it's kind of like moving through a mixtape, like living through a mixtape. Hmm. You know, like, especially when you're younger, you always have your headphones on. Um, like, when I was younger, I had a, you know, little disc man, personal CD players, and I would, before school, I would put together a little book of CDs for the day. You know, I'd bring, like, 10 CDs to school with me and just constantly be listening to stuff between classes and, like, outside of school, you know, walking around, just listening to music. And I know what it's like to like sort of curate your own soundtrack to your life. Yeah. And that's what this felt like. It felt like, you know, he was like, here's all these stories from my life that I've collected and I'm going to weave together into this character arc of something I can relate to, this mental illness, this over-medicated, you know, this out of touch with reality, sort of coming home and reconnecting with your roots, but in a way that hasn't been seen before, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. living through a mixtape. It's so cool. About the characters. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's um and the characters are so subtle. Like the the humor is so dry. Um I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Harold and Maud. Mm. Uh, 1970s movie. Can't remember the filmmaker. Um Bud Court was the main actor and he played Harold. He was like this teenager who was like suicidal. Mm-hmm. But like very darkly comedically suicidal. And there were moments where he would imagine his own death. And he'd be sitting there talking to his mom. And then he, he lives in his giant mansion with his mom. And he just constantly imagines his own death. And, like, he'll be sitting there in the tea room. And he'll see out, out the window his dead body hanging from the tree. Or, oh, wow. Or he's just, like, sitting next to his mom. Just, like, matter-of-factly, you know, no expression on his face. Just pouring gasoline on himself and then setting himself on fire. You know, like, all these little jokes that are presented, mm-hmm. like, such big, like, oh, my gosh. That's such a shocking image and thought, you know. But so subtly. And so, like, eh. You know, that's life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it takes it takes cues from that movie. Um, he takes a lot of different um, elements from it, but also just tones and scenes, like shots. Like, um, there's a part he meets. Um, the premise of Harold and Maude is he's this, like, older teenage boy. I can't remember how old he's supposed to be. I think, like, 17, 18. 
and he meets and falls in love with this very charismatic, very grab life by the balls old lady. Mm-hmm. Like Maud is this older lady in like I think her eighties, and they fall in love and have a sexual relationship. Oh wow! And like just saying that, that's like oh, that's yeah, a fucked that's, up movie. Yeah. But it's so cute, very so 70s. well done. Um, the song um, um, Yusuf Islam or uh, Cat Stevens, as people like to call him, mm. he did. Um, if you want to sing out, sing out. You know, um, Trouble. That's another one of his songs. Okay. Like you'll recognize every song from the soundtrack, and it was written for that movie. It was wow. written, like, a lot of those songs were written for Harold and Mott. So, it's one of those movies that, like, a lot of people don't know about, but it was hugely impactful on mm-hmm. on modern cinema. And Zach Braff, definitely, it was like a love letter. Um, it was, I, I wrote down that it was a love letter to the tortured souls living in the cracks of the sidewalks. And, like, that is very much, you know, it feels like you're, like, wedged in between all these things around you, and you don't know where you fit in, you don't know where to live, but you see the world as it is. A lot of people don't see through the bubble, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and that's something I related to early on was yeah. seeing through that bubble, seeing everything, seeing the bottom of the iceberg before I even see the top of the iceberg. You know, mm-hmm. like understanding everything for what it is, and that movie definitely captured that in a lot of ways. That sounds like a lot like um, like Scrubs, like yep. was Zach Braff with that. Yep. It must be <laughs> it must be a Zach Braff thing. Zach Braff definitely has that at his heart. Um, I think he's someone who's always questioned everything, like yeah. me. Um, and someone who's never bought into bullshit, but always been someone... He, he understands that you have to accept people's bullshit. Like, yeah. You yeah. have to learn to live with it. And, that's, and there's like so many filmmaking things he does in that movie. There's a scene where he's at a party where he takes drugs. And he uses the music and the scene and everything like the filmmaking aspects to show how that character is feeling at that moment he takes like he's so numb from all his antidepressants Mm -hmm. like he literally lives in an all white room and like it's all clean cut and he has no self-expression at all and then he takes these drugs at this party and sort of unwinds for the first time in probably years you know like many years and everything moves around him in fast motion. And he's just sitting there, like, looking around, like, barely moving. Like, oh, God, life is just going on so fast around mm-hmm. me and so overwhelming. And that, I think, is something that so many people relate to. And just that scene, seeing that scene and understanding that and seeing exactly what he's doing there. There's so many moments like that in this movie. And it's just, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. something that's like it feels like watching a part of my soul. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's so it's a, it's something I connect with so hard. It made me want to tell my story. That's that's why it was so important to me. Like, you know, I was 17 years old when I first saw it, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Who knows what they wanted to do with their <laughs> right. life back then? You know, I knew I wanted to play music. I knew I was a creative person, but I never thought I can tell stories, mm-hmm. and they can be my stories, and people will think they're good. <laughs> yeah. People will relate to this. You know. Yeah. I can do this artfully and it'll be my own, you know. That was the first time I ever really thought that. Because, like, growing up watching movies, you never, I mean, some people might think that from early on. Like, I can do this someday, you know. I never, I never did. Like, no. (laughs) I've gone through so many, like, career ideas that I wanted to do. Like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. So bad. Okay. And then I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And then I wanted to be a helicopter pilot. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I wanted to be a tank driver. Yep. And then I wanted to be a police officer. And then I wanted to be an actor. Okay. And then a chef. Okay. And I was a chef. Yeah. At some point, I wanted to be a chef. Yeah. It lasted and, a couple of months. Yeah. It, it might have lasted <laughs> a while. And I wanted to do game development. Okay. And then I wanted to do writing. And now, where I'm at now, I want to work with film, digital media, yep. podcasting, yep. 
you know it's that's like you slowly like, find yourself throughout life yeah and like it's finally where i'm at a point where it's like i can't say do i really want to do this yeah, yeah, yeah and not say absolutely fucking yes yes this <laughs> is how i enjoy this with every ounce of my being yeah and, and that's magic that's a magical yeah. feeling it really is it, re- it really is and especially to be able to see art mm-hmm. and recognize that someone else had that feeling someone else decided to act on that feeling mm-hmm. and this is what happened because of that exactly i think all of these movies we've been talking about and this last um half of the episode here or you know however Most long it's been episode, yeah. <laughs> um i think all of them are really good examples of that of like digging inside yourself and just slowly learning things about yourself and putting that to use and finding your passions and mm-hmm. you know taking advantage of them while they're there and sometimes some great art comes out and yes like this podcast yeah there you go <laughs> and without these movies this podcast probably wouldn't exist you know probably we not. wouldn't have anything to talk about without feeling this inspired so exactly thanks for listening to this yes thanks rant. for listening to this ramble for an <laughs> hour we go, and 15 minutes now yeah okay wow okay yeah they'll get <laughs> shorter they'll yeah. get more concise maybe um, we'll see <laughs> if not if you enjoy this i mean i guess if there's any sort of way to give us feedback i know this is our first episode and we don't even know if anyone's actually going to listen to this but if you're Ooh. listening and you want to say hey i liked this i liked all the philosophical yeah. <laughs> side notes um you know we'll and fun facts fun facts yes <laughs> we're just gonna keep getting to know this process as we go along yep. and hopefully you guys will just kind of have fun with us so thanks yeah. again thanks i'm johnny this is walker peace out <laughs>